Yeah, within 12 hours, we're talking about two separate gas stations here in the city of Detroit. Incidents involving accelerants and fire. Look at all of this damage. An angry customer used gasoline and a blowtorch to light it on fire. And the clerk that was on duty, a 27-year-old guy, he actually had to run through the flames to safety. He didn't have another option. The video picks up here. I want my money back. Well, I don't care because I've told you one time, I've told you 200 times. You're not getting your money back because we don't take back used lottery tickets. All right, then I'm about to light your ass up. Well, get the fuck out of my store and I'm calling the police on your ass. Fuck you, bitch. Burn, bitch. You have reached the city of Detroit 911 emergency call. Remain on the line. Do not hang up. Counted by the next available operator. Live from downtown Detroit, it's no BS News Hour. No bullshit! What's just a breaking news? Dub or bullshit? Dub or bullshit? Hey, scoop, scoop, man. Stop, stop texting me in the middle of a show. It's a uh, scoop. Stanton is the partner of uh, Walter Yurku, who's our guest today. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, Walter is the host of uh, the 75 Radio on the Liberty Radio Network. Uh, Walter, uh, how do you put this? He's the star of a documentary. If you haven't seen it, this thing is unfucking believable, isn't it? It's wild. It's, it's riveting. It's it's better than Goodfellas, and it's a documentary. It is. Uh, it's called the 75, and. It's a story about the world's most dangerous police precinct, mm -hmm. right? In East New York, in the late 80s when crack was rolling and a crew of bad cops, Walter was one of them. That was, I think he got arrested in 89. He's done his time. He's doing things and it, I, we just had to have him. Yeah, it's gonna be, that's gonna be a good conversation, Charlie. The guy is an honest talker, is, you know, and I, I know East New York and to this day, East New York is the most violent precinct in New York City. So not much has changed. Not much has changed. It's in uh, East Brooklyn. It's way out there on the border of Queens. What the, it, stop calling. Scoop. What? Come on. Now dude. why is he calling? I don't. I'm gonna. Have, well, I'm gonna. Have, I'm gonna have uh, Walter slap him around. Oh. <laughs> He's trying to get on. Uh, but first, uh, or is there something he doesn't want on? That's the other thing. <laughs> no, uh, Walter's a true talk. I can't wait for this. Uh, but first, uh, word from a couple of sponsors. If your business is staggering in the darkness of the digital dome, if your profits are jaundiced, if your growth is anemic, there's light. XG Service Group, <laughs> specialists in voiceover internet, security cameras, and off-campus access control, Wi-Fi for homes and businesses, drive-through systems, railroad cameras, total wireless camera systems for the home and the business, and Supernova customer service. Call me at Matt Yaskovitz at 734-245-4100 
Mention NBN and you'll receive a 15% discount. No, I don't like that. You will receive a 20% discount. Thank you, Bernie. Right over there. 20%. NBN, 20% free consultation. Um, and uh, Mark. Yeah. Hi. Trouble sleeping, bro? How do we fix it? Oh, my it? God, do I have trouble sleeping. Um, well, one of the things I like to use, no joke, is uh, Nextevo, Nextevo Naturals. They um, combine for the sleep. They combine the uh, melatonin, so it knocks you out, and the CBD does its work. They also have stress reducers, lots of stuff. So right now, stay well this summer with smarter CBDs. We like things to be smarter. From Nextevo Naturals, go to nextevo.com slash no BS. That's nextevo.com slash no BS to get 20% off your very first order, $40 or more. I know there's a lot of variables there. 20% off nextevo.com slash no BS. Okay, I don't like it. I like the books to balance out. So Bernie is going to give you 20% and next Evo is going to give you 15. <laughs> well, wait, a minute, wait a minute. I, could, I couldn't remember the the code for my know, first order. I can't order. believe you did that. So, do it again. No, wait a minute. So do I get 20% on my second order? Uh, use a different email address. That would be my suggestion. Uh, I have no idea, Karen. Uh, Let it go. There's only customer one. service to me. The only way to find out is by doing it. I'll try it. Did you just do that? It's not customer <laughs> service to me. I said, I need, I'm gonna, that's my, I want, tw- I want 20% off. I, you know, I got to hear back from these sponsors because <laughs> negative Karen over that's here. That's not negative. Right. I ordered something from them. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, see, now you got Bernie for free. For the, you have security cameras, don't you? Well, then I'm done. You, yeah. you have wires all no, over the place. No, you know I don't, but I'm going to call. I need those, though, because I can keep an eye on my neighbors. Okay, thank you. Let's go. Come okay, uh, let's go. Okay, yeah, 734-245-4100 for Bernie. All right, I like it. It's like an auction. And uh, <laughs> Who's up next? NADR experienced overseeing more than a quarter billion dollars in private and public construction projects since 2001. ADR competent. Reduce your costs, increase your bottom line, saving clients millions. ADR consultants are experts in procurement and government compliance and information technology, and I believe they've overlapped with XG Service Group. That's what happens here. That's good. Call Barry Ellen Tuck at 248-318-9424 for a consultation. Get the job done uh, right on time on budget, ADR, 248-318-9424. I'm now. Grace Carroll, and I'm third generation no. of America. No! Oh, oh, no! You two... <laughs> Am I am I fired again? You get back in there. Come in here with a new attitude. A new attitude. <laughs> you already said he likes Drew better, so maybe that's Wait, what, what it is. Now. Yes. What do you got? The latest commercial from our favorite <laughs> restaurant, American Coney Island. Roll it. Right now? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Right. I'm Grace Carroll, and I'm third generation of American Coney Island. People say Detroit's a comeback city. I say, where you been? We've been here for over 100 years. My family's been here on the same corner serving our famous proprietary American Coney Island hot dog. So like always, we're keeping things fresh, updated, and new. We'd love to have you come downtown and visit us, but if you can't, you can always go to AmericanConeyIsland.com, order a Coney kit, get it delivered fresh right to your door. See how she caught that Coney box? Hey, that was better than Red's commercial that he does. I like, I'm sorry. There she goes again. That's not negative. I'm saying Grace did an excellent job. I like that commercial. Did you see her catch the box? Yes. You know, she's in the basketball hall of fame. Yeah. You told me that. That's cool. And it shows. I I, I just want to say, Karen, uh, you're the last one I expected to hear that from. I get enough shit from him. I didn't say I didn't like it. I said that was a compliment to Grace, not an insult to you. That's Uh, all. Oh, okay. You don't have to explain yourself, my friend. 
don't offend anybody. <laughs> yes, you do. That's what you do. <laughs> Only the sponsors. That's what you do. If you, if you want right. Hey, I, listen, I ordered something before you even asked me to, so don't tell me that. And if you want to see Karen's latest defense to the giveaway <laughs> n- nature of the Connected Here in Detroit Reader column next Tuesday in the Detroit News, you, a red-blooded American, on Independence Day will be fucking livid because Karen's <laughs> dropping bombs. But you don't want to be negative. No, I'm not negative. The city for sale. Jeez, talk about thieves, man. Shakedown. Oh, my God. Listen, okay, real quick. Today, historically, the Supreme Court rolled back affirmative action on college campuses. This will have ramifications all over the place. We've all been, all of us adults have been thinking about this all of our adult lives quite, quite naturally. We'll get to that. On another day, when we have more to talk, about. M- more yeah. experts and you know, we'll lawyers and mm-hmm. we have we have a lawyer sitting here, Chris Anderjack, with his son CJ, who'll take us out with the Star Spangled Banner. At the end of the show, you're gonna you're gonna want to see that. He's all grown up now, little angelic voice back in the day. That's Come over funny. here, sit on my lap, young man. Show him how you grew up. No, no, he's all no, grown no, up no, now. He's no, got no, hair on his legs. It's unbelievable. No lap sitting. Not I hope they watch this show in the college campus, boy. Yeah. I tell you, that. <laughs> you'll never live it down. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> okay, but you know, affirmative action about lifting boats. I've got some affirmative action for young black children. Tear down the fucking dope house next to the school. Mm-hmm. I went back this weekend. And the faces of the dope fiends were bathed in a warm light on the front porch, given off by a hibachi grill. Swear to God, they were cooking barbecue on the front porch at a rotten house directly across Verona Street from the tidy home of Ken Berman. And across the other street is the Pulaski Elementary School. The junkies were cooking sausages by the smell of it. Now, the abandoned house has become a magnet for suburban drug addicts, a sort of low-level gentrification. All the amenities they need are within walking distance. A gas station to buy hot dogs and copious dope houses to score cocaine, heroin, and fentanyl. The ghost house across from the elementary school actually belongs to the Detroit Land Bank Authority, which answers the city hall naturally. The neighbors like Ken and Frankie and Al have been claiming for years about the eyesore. Now it's become a public safety nightmare for the children. The school staff are afraid. The parents are incensed. The junkies not out in the garage sometimes. Sometimes they pull down their pants in front of the school kids. Uh, Kenny said the city owns this and they need to do something. Now Kenny walks around wheezing and toting his oxygen tank. This is, what, this, is what, this is what Kenny gets in his later years. He says the city only takes care of its friends and not the people. But I reminded Kenny that the city is a public collective and that there's simply not enough money in the public pot to cure every ill that plagues it. There should be priorities, however. And a dope house next to an elementary school is nothing I have ever seen in America. Not in Oakland, California, not in East New York, New York. Have you seen that? Have you ever seen a dope house, Walter, in front of an elementary school? school? Yeah. No. 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 That's Walter, man. That's crazy ass. East New York, 1988, Dominican cocaine gangs. Never happened. 
It didn't, does not happen in Chicago, Illinois, and it does not happen in Livonia, Michigan. The children should come first. That's the priority. So why do I keep telling you all? It's doubtful many of you reside on the city's wild east side. I'm reminding you because you pay for this. The federal government has sent at least a third of a billion dollars to Detroit to battle its blight problem. To say that the city has mishandled that money is to put it generously. Then there's the humanity of the thing. Consider the school kids. Then think about Ken and then Frank and then Al, our fellow citizens. Certainly their lives matter. And that's what this is all about. Fighting City Hall, I've learned, does create hard enemies and stony hearts. So I tried another way. I called the mayor's man last Thursday and detailed the situation about the school kids. And wouldn't you know it? What happened? The following day, the police came with a battering ram and breached the door. The junkies, incredibly, had put their own locks on the doors and carried their own keys, no less, wow. and refused to come out. So after beating down the door, the cops gave the unwanted neighbors 20 minutes to get their shit together and get gone. When police kick down a door and run off a mob of human pincushions, you start to believe things can change. Then city workers came and sealed the doors with plywood and heavy bolts. So get this. Drum roll. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. But the junkies came back Saturday night, couldn't get in, but not wanting to let a pleasant summer evening go unused, they partied in the backyard, hidden by the overgrown trees, using the hibachi for mood lighting. <laughs> then Monday morning came, and the contractors for the city came to assess the soundness of the structure. I know, it's a bureaucratic step required before demolition can commence. Now, Kenny wondered how a house with phantom windows bootleg piping and wiring and a tree limb snaking below the shingles of the roof might be considered sound patience i advised him rome wasn't demolished in a day yeah okay then kenny said pointing to the cops of mulberry trees that had grown over the sidewalk but tell the land bank kenny says to at least come over and cut down the trees and mow the grass i told him i ask so i'm asking Come cut down the trees so the sidewalk's visible, so the children are safe. And please, tear down the house before school starts. And if you're not going to tear down the house, sell it to me, and I'll tear it down. That's good, Charlie. <clears throat> it's not good. I mean, how about some action that's affirmative? Well... That, that's, a, that's a little step. I mean, it's not much. I mean, because the mayor's pushing solar panels to fight blight. That's been the big thing over the past couple of days. <laughs> so I don't get the connection, but. <laughs> I, I got one. What? How about we give these houses to people who lost houses when all that extra shit was because going on? I, I'm sorry, because be that's dumb. That's, that's more talking bullshit. These houses are fucked. You can't live. They're, they're done. You, everybody that bought one of these and tried to fix it up can't fix it up. Because it, it, how much does it cost? Bernie, 100 grand to fix up a totally stripped down house? At least 100 grand. Really? I, I bought it for 1,000? It's a pipe dream. It's stupid. Oh, my bad. I stay in the Normandy. So my perspective is all up from there. <laughs> Let's build, and, and again, I mean, how is a solar paneling supposed to stop light? I you know what's cheaper? Know. Hibachi grills. 
<laughs> we can create more light quickly if we just give everybody a hibachi grill. But that's that was the narrative being pushed the other day. This is going to fight blight. They brought, you know, one of the directors out and talked about how this was going to resolve blight. I didn't get the connection, but that was more bullshit. Yeah, that was the talking point of the day. Bullshit tax reform and uh, solar paneling. And, you know, when you Google this crap and you look year after year, it's the same thing. Ten million over here, ten million over there. I've been asking for two years for this house. To you, you, you want to help a kid? You, you want to get people out of the cycle of poverty? Mm-hmm. Care about them. Keep it's them true. safe. It's, it's easy. This is a no-brainer. And it's basic stuff. It's not like you're asking for anything above and beyond what should be provided anyway. Yeah, Chris, one-third of a billion, dude. Where do you think that came from? That came from the Trouble Asset Relief Program. That was everybody in America chipping in. And where is it? Speed bumps. Tell you what. Now, I, I quickly want to... Uh, recognize and think about, and I, I, I won't uh, say pray. If I, I don't like people telling each other to pray. Uh, Malik Shabazz, the chairman of the New Black Panther Party here in Detroit. You know him from the program. He suffered a major stroke. He's at Henry Ford Hospital. He's on a ventilator. I'm not sure. Uh, guys, you know, whatever you think of him. And there's a lot to think about. He's been a warrior out in the streets. Yeah, he, he has. He does care. Um, He's gotten some crack houses torn down. He goes to crack house and he punches the door open and get the fuck gone. I mean, who does that? I, I want to say the last piece that I was uh, did on the crack house, I had the honor actually watch, watching him in action live. He goes in fearless. He don't give a damn. And he don't treat them like lesser than. Mm-hmm. He, he works for everybody. The neighbors, as well as trying to encourage the folks with the drug use and problems to get some help. So he he was a really solid guy. You got a little clip of that? Remember, we were trying to shut down the crack house. The crack house got shot up. Five people shot inside, two dead on the lawn, right? And we go out there. I I don't send red. I said red, and it's Mm -hmm. part of no bullshit news. How red goes out there two days later, and it's still in business. Mm. Wow. We got a little something, Mark? Yeah, I've been rolling B-roll oh, where, been, where okay. he walks in there. Yeah, yeah with people no, listening no can't. Yeah. I know. But, no but I'll tell you this, too. When Malik um, read your story and heard us talking about the very drug house that you just talked about a second ago mm-hmm. uh, across from the school, he sent me a text message. He said, mm-hmm. hey, what can I do? You know, where is it? What can I do to help? So, you know, he listened. He was a friend of the show and, um, and, and a friend to Detroit, even if his methods weren't understood or respected by everybody. There, so There was a time. At the bankruptcy, I think it was 2013, they're talking about running Detroit into bankruptcy, and he's at a meeting, and he says, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, white man, take this city, we will burn it down. And I'm like, there goes Malik again, a little fire and brimstone black pantherism. Well, and I, I wake up in the morning, and the, the clock alarm goes off. It's like WWJ, breaking news at 7 in the morning, and it's Malik going, we'll burn it down. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I call Malik and go, hey, yo, brother, uh, yeah, I think you might have some problems. Uh, meet me at 10 o'clock. <laughs> so we meet uh, north of uh, Hamtramck in a burned-down neighborhood We in front of a burned-out house. And I, <laughs> he's a mountain of a man. and you know, yeah, he's big. I look really small next to him, and I'm wearing a buckskin jacket and shit, and I'm looking up at his <laughs> eyes, and I say, the fuck is the matter with you? That's how the news piece starts out. What the bleep is the matter with you? I go, it's all burned down, dude. Isn't there going to come a point when we all going to care about each other? Maybe bankruptcy could help us all. Isn't it time? This great sin of ours, like black fighting white and white fighting black, like time to move. And 
it was great because his shit was completely ridiculous. He goes, I didn't, you know, I didn't say, uh, hey, white people, I, I say burn down white supremacy. And I'm like, all right. Okay. <laughs> that might do it. And it did throw a little water on the fire, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we've been pretty good pals since. So I am thinking of him. And I'll be honest. I went to the hospital. And I couldn't reach his cheek to give him a kiss because he had all the stuff and the wires and the ventilator tube. So his feet were poking out of the blanket. So I kissed his foot. What would Jesus do? It's a good question, Charlie. But you, you, did, you did what you felt you could and should do at the time. So that's admirable. Yeah. Now, speaking of the afterlife, no bullshit news hour. This segment with Walter... Your cue is brought to you by Luke Nowacki. This message of uplift is brought to you by business and personal wealth advisor Luke Nowacki, who reminds you that what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but never enter the kingdom of God? But while you're waiting, Nowacki wants you to remember that overreaction is not a sound financial strategy. So call Luke Nowacki at 248-663-4748 for sound financial advice. Did you know that with Hall Financial's new Easy Start program, you can lock your mortgage rate 2% below the current market? If you were to purchase a $250,000 home with 5% down, instead of paying $1,600 per month, you only pay $1,300 per month, saving you almost $4,000 a year. See if Easy Start is a fit for you. Get started now at 866-CALL-HALL or go to callhallfirst.com. Guys, got Zabby, thank you. It's like, why is the camera shaking? It's a Bernie delivery. Oh, it's Bernie, right? What's Bernie working on the cameras? That's XG Service Group. I want 25% off. Shaking. XG Service Group to the save again. Now, uh, last but certainly not least, Legacy Partner Insurance. When's the last time you checked your home and auto insurance rates? If you haven't checked in the past year, then chances are you're paying too much. But if you work with Legacy Partners Insurance, they won't let that happen. Legacy keeps an eye on your rates and continuously shops all carriers to make sure you have the best program. If you haven't called them this year, then call them now and you'll probably be pissed off at your current provider. Not only does Legacy do home and auto, they also have great life insurance programs and can even get you signed up for Medicaid and Medicare. That season's coming. So give them a call today for any insurance need at 586 209 4106. All right. Now, it's the part y'all been waiting for. Walter Yurkew. I don't even I don't even know what to look. He was he was a NYPD cop in the 75 precinct in East New York, Brooklyn, at the height of the crack wave. Uh I, I guess, Walter, what do you say? You were you were part of a crew, Mike Dowd's crew, right? Uh, who is known to this day as New York's dirtiest cop, and in the history of that great city, that's not a little sobriquet to have. That's quite a nickname. Um, you're now the host of 75 Radio, uh, the Liberty Radio Network, and uh, welcome right. to the No Bullshit News Hour, brother. Well, thank you very much, man. I'm uh, I'm happy to be here with you finally. Yeah, now I I know his partner on his radio show scoop stanton and I, I called in a couple times just bullshitting late saturday have a few pops and he's this is the first time i've seen his face and he's a funny guy i mean i love new york you know i love new york 
And then it starts coming out what his background is. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's <laughs> fascinating. And then we all watched that documentary, mm -hmm. uh, The Seven Five. And uh, man, Walter, like just from the beginning, like how did you become a cop? Where are you from? Um, for originally from uh, Long Island, the West End of Long Island in uh, Suffolk. I became a cop. Nassau. Because I was tired of being a union carpenter and working dumbass hours and shit. So I took the test, I passed it, and a couple of years later they called me. Went down for, you know, the physical, the psychological testing and all that other stuff. And, um, I got accepted in July 85. And? Um, went through six, six months in the police academy. Um, and, you, you know, you're in the police academy to pass the tests that they give you. Um, at the end of each two months. And um, the day you get your badge and gun is the day before graduation, which was at uh, Madison Square Garden, by the way. Um, they pretty much tell you to take all your books and throw them in the garbage because they ain't going to work out there. Hmm. Wow. Uh, so I did six months uh, on probation in Queens in the 113. And uh, from there, I went to the 75. Uh I so saw a lot of dirt when I was in when I was a rookie. Let me stop you there. Um, found some money here let, and there when I was a rookie. Let, let me stop you there for a second, Walter. So you decide you need a career change. And you're mm -hmm. gonna take the uh, by the way, I took the NYPD test. I believe I got ninety-nine out of a hundred. It's not a hard test. It's uh they give you like drawings of a footprint, and then they say this footprint looks more uh, most like which other footprint? It's no, like a cartoon. A yeah, it's the matching game. It's like, well, that footprint's the same as that footprint. That was, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. Yeah, they, also give you, they also give you a street maze, um, start and a finish. And you got to drag your pen through the street maze to take the shortest route to get there. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I, I, I did that because it was after 9-11. And I got tired of being a reporter and watching people of action do stuff. I, I wanted to do stuff. It, when you... Decided to become a cop. Was there something altruistic in the reason to do it, or was it just a paycheck and you were sick of being a construction worker? Uh, it wasn't just a paycheck. Um, I mean, I'm a carpenter to this day. I do still build stuff. Um, it wasn't just a paycheck. Yeah, I wanted to do things out in the street and help people. I was always a, a sociable kind of person, social worker kind of guy. And um, maybe I could make a difference. And I think I did um, in, in a couple of ways, but uh, people tend to look on a, on a negative of what I was doing and what I got involved with. Uh, why, why don't I mean, we... you just talk about it yourself. You had the drug, you had the drug then right next, to the, right next to the school. If that was in my neighborhood in East New York, Brooklyn, it would have lasted maybe a day. Um, I would have took all their money and all their drugs, put them out of business, make them out the bigger guy their money in drugs and you never would have seen him again and would you have kept the money in drugs back in the 80s of course well i keep the money the drugs i turn over uh to a local fella and or i had a contact uh in the wall street area so so, so uh, you'd sell the dope a lot, a lot of the merchandise that i found went to, to the wall street area so I don't know if you can blame me for the recession, but uh, did, did you give it to Wall them, Street or did you did you give it to them, or did you sell it to them? 
Oh, I turned it over. I, I sold it to him. 50 cents, 60 cents on a dollar. Back then, just uh, uh, say Kia Coke was going for 25 grand. I'd get probably 13, 14 grand for it. Wow. So how does a guy who it, looking for a career change, he, you, you, you're looking for a career change, you want to do some good. How, how does it flip like that for you? Well, it, you know, you think you're out there, you're doing some good, but, you know, you, you're just out there. The department used to call it uh, omnipresence. If they saw you, they wouldn't do nothing wrong. But uh, they really didn't train you to see if there was anything wrong going on. Uh, I mean, you were just sitting out there. They put you out on a street corner that you've never been before. And you don't know who the hell is aiming a rifle at you out the window. Uh, so, uh, you know, in time, you make enough arrests. And these arrests, they go by the wayside. And they usually back out on the street on the same footpost you were yesterday before you get back to work. So uh, it was a, just a, a revolving door, as they say. That's the cliche for the past 40, 45 years. It's a it was a revolving door back then. And, so uh, what happens to you? You just decide, well, what the fuck is the difference then? Well, no, not so much that. What's the difference? Um, there were times I just kept the money, let the guy walk. You know, you take him down the end of a, uh, an alleyway and you take his stuff away from him. And you tell him not to come back. Well, turned out he couldn't come back because I had the money he was supposed to pay his superior. Walter, and to he's that, responsible for it. To that point, um, you know. So, I, so the guy ends up dead, is what you're saying? Yeah. I have no idea about that. <laughs> um, I just didn't see him anymore. At least out of business. I, I understand how it would be maybe skimming. Uh, Wait, you just jumped over that. He goes, well, no, I don't know if he was dead. You just didn't see him yeah. anymore. <laughs> I, I decided to go back to, you know, Dominican Republic. He was out of business. He's, he's out of breath. Come on now. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I understand skimming money because maybe you're, you're just a little, it's unethical. But, you know, you see these people coming through the revolving door over and over. How does it make that leap to a full on... Um, almost a criminal enterprise where you guys were, you know, breaking and entering after the police were there to shake them down. I mean, it, it really grew from what I think people would turn a blind eye to, to a full on criminal enterprise. Well, you, you know, uh, when, when you get a call, um, like you, you saw the seven, five documentary, obviously. Terrific. And, uh, you know, when you get, when you get called to a, a place and you open up a closet and there's a, you know, a bag full of money, there's not much you could do because the cops are everywhere. You know, there's not much you could do about it. The only thing you could do is 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 make note of it, keep an eye on it, and maybe something else will pop up in there, and you could be first on the scene, get in and out. Um, mainstay was to get the money and, and dope away from these guys, and like I said, they'd leave. They wouldn't come back. What was, uh, uh, I guess I should explain, at some point, there almost becomes a crew. Well, there was a few crew. The 77th in Brooklyn got taken down. Heat's on the 75th, but there's a crew in, in the 75th led by Mike Dowd. Uh, who was his partner? Uh, uh, Kenny. Kenny. Uh, what's his last name, man? Ural. 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 Yeah. Okay. And then what was his name? Chicky? Chicky, Chicky was his mm -hmm. first partner. Chicky, yeah. and then Chicky quit because the, the heat, heat was getting yeah. on from the 77th. So Ch Chicky was the street guy. And then. You come into it, Walter. Let me, if we could play a little, I, I'm going to ask your permission. You probably don't have permission, but fair use YouTube. So fuck you. You're going <laughs> to hit us with this fair use commentary. This is, this is Walter in the documentary 75. You can see it on YouTube. I really, really recommend it. 
Mike had a friend. This is Adam Diaz, the head of the Dominican Doke. guy. His fucking hands are like three of my hands. Walter? I, yeah, Walter. Fucking big guy, huge guy. Motherfucker's big. Walter's a madman. Just straight up adrenaline. Go through the window, go through the door, didn't, didn't bother. Straight up madman. Michael liked the idea uh, of me being around because I was a big fucking guy. 6'5", 290 pounds. I'd break your fucking neck if your neck needed breaking. The first time I saw Walter, I said to myself, bad. Bad. <laughs> so how do you, how do you fall in uh, with, with Mike Dowd? Uh, it was actually uh, a story that he says I don't tell well. Um, <laughs> Good enough for us. I, I, you know, I knew about Mike. I knew about Mike at the precinct. I was there about I don't know five six months, and then uh, we finally had a uh, a footpost together, an adjoining footpost at Martin Luther King Park um, in East New York. And um, I was walking out the back door, and I started walking down the street. And it wasn't far; it was about a half a mile to to walk down there. And he goes, oh, where are you going? Where are you going? And I turn around. It was him. He says, come on over here. So, puts me in his Hyundai, and we drive over there, um, which, you know, of course, you're not supposed to do. And um, we park him, and we sat there the whole time in his car most of the time. Um, it was cold. It was November. And uh, I noticed this white guy walking around. I figured he was out there buying dope. Um and he says, you're hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. Uh, we take off. We went to a bodega and he gets these burgers and, you know, and it turned out that, you know, it was an eight pack of beer. Was, remember the nips, the Budweiser nips? And um, we go back and we sit in his car. Now, I can't eat spicy food, man. I'm, I'm delicate when it comes <laughs> to spicy food. But, you know, them, 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 uh, those Latinos in East New York, Brooklyn, they really spiced that damn hamburger up. And like I said, it's November. So, you know, I got my duty jacket on, then I got a shirt on, then I got a sweater on, then I have a vest on, then I have a T-shirt on. I mean, it was cold. It was November. And by the time I got halfway through that burger, I was down in my T-shirt. Um, it, like it looked like I just took a shower. I was soaking wet from sweating, from eating all that food. Um, and then there's this white guy still walking around. And, you know, Michael noticed him sort of, and I noticed him sort of. And then uh, it was time for Michael to really go and have dinner. And I said, take me, take me back to the station house. I'm going home. Because um, I wasn't feeling good after I ate that damn burger. So uh, Mike goes to have his, his dinner at 8 o'clock. I, I asked the sergeant if I could go out, uh, sign out, and go home. And he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I signed out, and I went home. Uh, three days later, I come back to work, and there's a note uh, on the roll call it's called GO15, which means – um, you're in trouble and you need to contact the PBA attorney's office, you know, which I did. And there was an investigation going on, on me and Michael, um, that we were off post and drinking beer and stuff like that on, 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 on post. I said, well, if we were off post, how did I know we were eating and drinking beer? Uh, we were obviously there, but, um, I'm headed to the nine O where Brooklyn North field internal affairs was. And uh, again, Michael pops out the back door. Yo, where are you going? I says, I got to go to the 9 for this thing. And he says, whatever you tell him, don't tell him we were drinking. And, <laughs> and of course, I'm not going to tell him that we were drinking. I get down there, and that's when I first met that Joe Tromboli, that guy that was 
chasing us down for so many years. He was in the 75 documentary also. And um, he says, I don't care what you did. He says, I don't care if you were drinking beer. I want to know. I want you to tell me Michael Down drinking beer. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. We weren't drinking beer. Well, where did you go? I says, he took me to a bodega. We come back. We had some food and some soft drinks, and that was it. He said, there wasn't no beer in that bag. I said, I didn't see any beer in that bag, I swear. You know. And that was that. I lost two days vacation. He lost 30 days vacation. That was the end of that. But that was the start of the department putting me and Michael together. Um, after that, we played cards together. We went out to strip clubs together, you know, him and a couple of other guys. And that's how I got to know Michael Dowd. Did I know what he was doing? Absolutely. Everybody knew what he was doing. Pretty much everybody in the precinct knew what everybody else was doing. Um, you know, they call us a crew. I guess so. But, you know, there were other crews working in the 7-5 also at the same time. You know, 9, 10, 15 guys in one crew. And they were doing the same thing we were. Hitting licks. You know, it, it, it was all about the money and getting the drug dealers off the street. Um and Michael hooked up with uh, Adam Diaz, you know, one way or another. And, you know, I wasn't involved in that, but I knew about it. And it was it was like this. You know, the United States government, when they grabbed Sammy Gravano, they let him slide on 19 murders as long as he would give them information. You know, and basically, that's what we did with with Adam. Um, you know, we let him slide, but he gave us information on all the other drug dealers. So we kind of used him as our government witness, you know, unofficially. But it's interesting because in, 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 in the documentary, I don't know exactly. It doesn't lay you out particularly deeply. But Michael Dowd and Ural, what's his first name again? Kenny, Kenny Ural, were in the employ of Diaz. Like uh, they would give him tips. They would give him badges. They, somebody ripped off Diaz's cocaine and Dowd and Ural picked him up and gave him to Diaz, and that guy's never been heard of from again, right? So that's way deeper than getting information. So, so what did you do? Who knows? Do? He could be in the witness protection program now. Who knows? What did, what did you do? Did, were, you, were you the beef that like broke kneecaps and shit? Well, let me put it to you this way. You know, when I went to a building, um, I used to go in with an axe handle. And I didn't have to hit anybody twice. Um, they usually gave it up the first time or even before they got hit. Axe handle. Fuck. It's like Buford Pusser and shit. Really? Like you were talking about the cinder blocks in my studio here, like in Detroit. And you said it reminded you of East New York dope houses. Yeah. Yeah. They put cinder blocks up in the windows and the doorways. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't stop anything i mean if you wanted to make a racket you just take a sledgehammer just take them down okay well look you so you got arrested july 2nd 1989 which i guess 88 88 so july 2nd so happy anniversary happy 35th anniversary i don't know is this air on july 2nd well you know i mean you know it's holiday weekend <laughs> long we um what did you get arrested for? Were you were you under investigation or like you got arrested? Tell tell us about it the night you got picked up because uh, we 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 went to a store on Livonia Avenue 
that was a, uh, a money drop location. And that's what we were there for. We were there for the money. And we missed it by about 10 minutes. We missed it by 10 minutes. And the, the clerk, um, he knew me. I'm, I, you know, I've been in there dozens of times. It's where I used to get my cigarettes on the way in or on the way out of work. That's where I pick up my beer on the way in or on the way out of work. You know, he knew me. He know he you know he knew who I was. And um, one of the people that were with me that night said, "Do you know where the money went?" And he says, "Yeah." And all of a sudden, he's in the back of the car. So uh, he changed his mind, and I don't blame him. But he changed his mind, and we dropped him off, and I went to work. Three hours later, uh, internal affairs was in the precinct. They called me into the captain's office. They told me I was being detained for uh, off-duty robbery. Um, and that was that. So about 15, 20 hours later, they put me under arrest for robbing the grocery store. Now, uh, nothing for nothing, but they charged me with robbery, stealing $910 out of the cash register. So my thing was, look, we're in East New York, Brooklyn. There ain't a cash register within five miles of here. It's got $900 in the till. Um, you know, they have a, when they get cash, they stick it down in, in, into a, a safe that's under the counter. You know, like in Las Vegas at the table. You know, they push it down into, underneath into a safe. And uh, there wasn't no $910 in there. They couldn't bring, they couldn't show her any receipts for the day or anything. They said I took all the. Uh, excuse me. They said uh, that we took the food stamps and everything. Uh, so anyway, they took me away and uh, then they locked up Chicky and another fella uh, in the ensuing months. And uh, that was that. I mean, it was front page news for a couple of weeks there, for a couple of months. It really was. I looked it up. I really. Uh, so we, you got uh, you got convicted of it. Did you plead I, guilty? I took a plea. I mean, I was facing, you know, 33 years to life. But you didn't do it. Or the said. robbery. But you didn't do robbery it. Robbery and the kidnap. No, but I didn't do it. You didn't do and, robbery and or kidnapping, but you took a plea. It. Why? But we were there. We were there. there no, 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 no. Here, man. They had you on a wire. You guys were wired up the whole time. Like, the, because no. that's, that's local. That's the feds. No. No. According to the documentary. No, they, no that, that was a different case. That, that was. That, that was Michael's case in 92. Well, that's what I mean. But I, I just think, uh, am I wrong? Because it's fascinating to me now. Like, maybe you were implicated this, in all that and they put some sweat I, on you? Is, when I was arrested in 88, Michael and that other guy didn't get arrested until 92. Yeah. Um, that was after I got out of prison. So I pled to a attempted robbery in the third degree. They dropped the kidnapping charge and the weapons charge. And I did 30 months in the state prison. But, but why did 30. you do that, though? Why did you why did you why did you resolve to a plea if you knew that you didn't do it? Was it because all the other stuff that you knew was kind of hanging around and lingering that could come out that could come well, down? Let me, at, at that point, the deal included uh, crimes known and unknown. Hmm. OK. Hmm. When did the uh, federal investigation start? So they, they weren't tapping you then? He wasn't. Uh, if, if it wasn't already if it wasn't already started by the time I took my plea. It started soon after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did, did were you a were you a, a witness? Like, I, let me just put the street vernacular. Were you were you a rat? Did you give information as quietly as part of no. this deal? No. Okay. No. Uh, Thirty months in state prison. Where were you, Sing Sing? No, no, no. I was in the medium. 
Um, I was in Oneida. In Oneida, New York, yeah. which is like uh, northern central New York. And then they transferred me up to uh, Franklin, which is up near Clinton, where them guys escaped about eight, nine years ago. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right around there. another good movie. Mm -hmm. Another good. Uh, yeah, so, so you're a cop. You're a cop in the state prison system. Were yeah. you under special protection? Did you have to like line up with the Pecker Woods or something like that? How, how'd you make it through thirty yeah, the months? First, the first, the first year, um, they had me in, in protective custody, but it was a unit where there were other New York City cops and other cops from various agencies around the state. Um, Freaking child molesters, you know, shit like that, uh, which which sucked. But um, I got into a couple of fights, um, spent some time in the in the box, and um, they transferred me out to a place I, I, where I was in Oneida was was a working dorm. I mean, I went out every day. I wasn't always locked in the room. Uh, it, it was a functioning place. Um, they transferred me to a place where they were going to put me in a fucking cage for 23 hours a day. And when I got there, I refused. So I went into population. And what was that like? Yeah. You went into population. You had to be marked. I mean, general population, it, 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 I assume. It was, like, it was like a schoolyard playground with grownups, really. Um, everybody was a drug dealer. There wasn't anybody in there for possession. Uh, you know, I had all the drug dealers in New York in, in that jail. Everybody was a drug dealer. Nobody ever bought or used, according to them. Um, Anybody you, know, you uh, knew? Anybody you had put away? Mm -hmm. No. No, they made sure that that kind of thing wasn't, wasn't going to happen. But there were a few people that, you know, recognized the name and recognized me. I mean, how could you miss six, five, 300 pounds with red hair, you know, um, which was obviously a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> so... We, uh, I says, all right, well, I've been playing softball with you. I've been playing cards with you, pinochle. And I says, now what? And they said nothing. But I did get into a couple of fights from people that thought I was a cop. And, um, you know, shit happens. Just take care of business. Like White guys, straight. black guys, Dominican guys? What, 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 the black guys. The Dominicans didn't give a shit because um, I was in tight with Adam at the time. You know, he was still out on the street. So, so you uh, had some weight with Adam behind you. So did and you I didn't write did anybody you, out. Did you get your ass stomped, or did you have to like crew up with with uh, white cops or whatever? No, I walked alone. It was me against them. I walked alone. I didn't walk. I didn't join anybody. No groups. No gangs. No clubs. None of that shit. So, were there any um, dirty cops there that you know maybe it, it was, brought it, it you was, something? Did I mean was that it was, that culture there yeah, the CEOs. Yeah, there was some ceos that were you know bringing stuff in um you know mostly cigarettes and liquor or uh uh tattoo ink was a big thing so if i had to end with a cop um you know the, some of the biker gangs would you know approach me and say you know put, get, get, get some ink in get some ink in and, i gotta uh, i gotta ask because it's prison and everybody wants to, did you did you get one up to ass Charlie. one what tattoo <laughs> no, did you get raped? Charlie. No. This, this, no, 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 no. He's too high, he's six. No. I, mm. That's fascinating. That's what I want to see. No, it's not. No, I mean, no. see, six, five, that's why. I mean, we, you, please don't shut the answer now. I'm not shutting I, I, the answer I, I really want to know. Like, we're guys. You, you want to know, don't you? 
No. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I do. I, that's that's the thing. Don't go to prison. Okay. I'm saying, right? Is is that true, Walter? I mean, nobody that's a, smoked my butt. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, this no. Big... Yeah, but no, but but Walter would tell you about prison. That happens. Doesn't happen to him. I'm sure it happens, what but I happen? could, I would bet money that it did not happen to him. No, I, I just actually just want him to talk about Thank prison. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Well, I knew that, Mike, but I I, I guessed that, but I want, just wanted you to talk about prison life. You're you're on one side I, of law, then you're on the other side. Know, of what do you see? You know, back to in the end, they were. Shower rooms. There was a slop sink room. You know, if if somebody wanted to get it or give it, there was places to get it or give it. And it happened, didn't it? I mind my own business. Yeah, in jail, own. you stay away from gambling. You stay away from the drugs, and you stay away from the faggots. Simple what? three rules: stay away. From. Why would you stay away from um, gambling? Because if you get in debt to somebody, then they own you. Mm. How do you gamble if you don't have anything to bring to the table? Then you shouldn't sit at the table, but some people do. It's like when you sit at Vegas and you're losing, the house comes over and says, you know, you sign this marker. Karen, where do you <laughs> think the new jailhouse prostitutes come from? I have no idea, Red. You see, said own you. But I do got a quick question. I, I'm very curious to know. Coming from that generation of policing and doing what you did as an officer, what do you think policing is, is about these last 30 years? How can the people trust the police? I don't think you should ever trust the police much. You know, if they didn't help you because you called them, you know, that's fine. But, you know, if, if they're there and you don't know why they're there, you just mind your business. You start getting into their business and then, you know, then all of a sudden your, your car is getting ticketed all the time or you're granddaughter is getting pulled over or something um there was a lot of money exchanging hands from good to bad to bad to good in in those days uh, many cops in the in the precinct had their hands out has that changed were. what red wants to know is like your generation you either copied the previous generation or you infected the new generation or it stopped somewhere where are we did you learn it from the '60s, the 1960s police officers? Did the, did the no, I learned it when I was when I was a rookie cop. I mean, I knew corruption was going on in New York City before I became a cop. Um, but you know, I could anybody could justify anything that other people say they did wrong. Uh, you know, I never took a dollar from an honest man or an honest business. You know, in the years that I was uh, a police officer. Um, so uh, it begs know, the question. I was basically taking I was taking money away from people that you wouldn't have at your house for dinner. Still, you know, were unless you, you were a drug user. Were, were, right. were you a gangster or were you a cop? Uh, you got to be, you know, in order to be a, a, a smart cop, you got to have to have a little gangster in you. Um, and vice versa. Um, you know, you got to be, you know, smart enough not to get caught. You have to be smart enough to, to, uh, uh, you know, coordinate things and be careful. Um, you know, I, I was on a number of, of, of capers. But when capers. I was See, but you're talking about yeah. the gangster part, but you haven't talked about anything about protecting and serving the cop part. Oh, I did that. I, you know, I, I was an active cop. I made my arrest. I handed out my summonses. 
Um, you know, I handled domestic incident, dispute. Give me an incident where you were proud of something as your time as a police officer carrying the shield to protect and serve. All right. There was a, a car accident up on Pitkin Avenue, not too far from where that uh, shooting was that was uh, stated in the 75. Um, it was a Cadillac that rode up on a sidewalk and wiped out a family. And uh, they landed the helicopter down because uh, people were uh, missing limbs. And when the helicopter landed, I handed the little girl to the EMT that was in the in the helicopter. And he's like, where's her leg? Where's her leg? And, you know, I looked down and she doesn't have she doesn't have both legs. It was jammed up underneath the bumper of this Cadillac. It was like a 74 Caddy, you know, one of the big old boats. And there it was. There was her foot dangling down from underneath it. And I grabbed it. And, uh, you know, as I'm handling the, handing the, the guy the leg in, in the door, you know, he grabs me by the arm and the collar and pulls me in, closes the door, and off we, off we went to Bellevue. Um, little girl's leg was saved. And uh, I ended up taking the train from – Bellevue all the way back to East New York, Brooklyn. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I helped that. Unfortunately, the little girl lost, you know, almost everybody in her family except her brother mm. that night. So it was sad. You know, I've seen some, uh, some nasty things. I've seen people cut up, people chopped up, people stabbed, people shot. Uh, you know, and I don't know if you got a little PTSD from it. I think everybody does. You know, I think you're an idiot if you don't say it didn't affect you. Um, of course it affected um, at that time. Well, you know, brother, um, I know, I know like you did your time and so life must move on. You did your time, but have you ever publicly apologized to all of us as society? Have you, have you said, I'm sorry for what I did in the oath that I broke? Well, you know, we're like assholes. Everybody's got them. And what I did was when I got out, finally, in 95, uh, I decided not to go back to the city. I went and I lived, I moved uh, upstate New York with the blessings of my father and started a new life. Um, I went into social work. And I worked with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault, which uh, my knowledge from the police department came in handy. The uh, local district attorney took notice and offered me a job in his office, knowing what my background was. And um, then he started getting phone calls from the local police that they wouldn't work with me. They wouldn't you know, contact me. They wouldn't do anything with me. So I had to pass on that. But uh, I started a new family and then ended up moving to the Chattanooga area um, with my new wife and my new son. And uh, I got a job doing case management work for developmentally disabled people and did case management work for 17 years. And I'm retired now. So you're asking if I apologized? No, I didn't stand on the soapbox and, and you know, say, I apologize. I apologize. Uh, I think I've, I've accomplished my redemption through my actions, just like I accomplished, you know, being a criminal through my actions. That's true. Um, and I believe you have. Everybody uh, other- recognized me being a criminal. Um, 
and there's many, many, many people from all walks of life since I've been down here that have recognized me for my accomplishments since. Well, look, let me say it this way. You've grown, life goes on, people improve, they become something more. It's, it's still there, and I, and I know, because you know I know, there's still a lot of anger and hard feelings about you in, in the police world and in the civilian world, and you're not 29-year-old Walter Urquhart. Right, you're 64 year old Walter Urq. Do you wanna? Yep. Do you wanna apologize for that young man now? Might go a long way. <clears throat> I think I've done my duty. I think I've done my duty to the. Oh yeah, I think you to have too, but inside. it wouldn't hurt, and you might feel some absolution. And you nah. might you might teach young. I don't think it would hurt. It's not that I don't think it would hurt. Uh, that, that I think it would hurt. I, it's not going to help. You, you mean? Yeah, it's not. It, it's not going to help my situation. What you know? Would? They, you know, when, when you know the, the things that we talked about in the seven five, when that officer was murdered and Michael was there and that other guy was there and I was there and and such and you know in in, in that instance that we were talking about in the documentary, uh, and we weren't together when we filmed all this. You know, we filmed that hundreds of miles apart from each other, a thousand miles apart from each other and months apart in between, in between videoing that section of that, that part of the documentary, the emotion in there was true. And even to this day, people say they were all crocodile tears. So, mm. uh, I got what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not going to push the fact that, you know, I'm sad that that I am sad that that officer lost his life that night. And people are trying to say it was our fault or, I mean, you know, we weren't the only dirty cops in the city. Um, we, we just ended up being the most visible at that, at that time. So I never uh, heard if anybody I, thinks in my whole life, my whole life, my whole life. And I've been around your precinct. I've been, I never heard a guy refer to himself as a dirty cop. That's actually an incredible thing to hear. You guys agree with that? I, I've never heard someone say that about themselves yeah, well, that's a hard thing to walk around with definitely is some weight but i got a question for you how do you feel about dirty cops now what is your opinion well you know i used to read it they used to call them interim orders and it was a booklet and each month or so it was updated and in those updates were cops that did stupid things and i used to read it and you know i would sit there and i would read it um and I still went the wrong way. My choice. My choice. Um, you know, especially after the 7-7. Seven, seven. I mean, I could have stopped. I could have not taken another nickel. And I probably would have retired if I stopped. But we didn't. I didn't. And I had no intention of stopping. The, uh, the answer to your question is that after all that I've been through and the hundreds and hundreds of police officers in the last... 35 years since I was arrested in 88. If they're still doing it, it's on them. It's on them. I speak to smaller police departments um, in this area, and I've been flown out to other areas and some colleges and, and such and talk about my experiences in policing then and what policing is going through now. 
mostly now people don't like cops because they, they keep violating, you know, many people's rights, you know, you know, smart, uh, smart citizen, good citizen is a smart citizen. And with that, uh, the constitutional rights are being stepped on. And then people say to me, well, didn't you violate these people's rights by taking their money? And I says, well, maybe I took money. I says, but it was money from your brother, your sister, your mother, your uncle, your father, because the money doesn't grow in, in, in the ghetto. It gets there somehow. And it's stupid white people coming from the surrounding counties, Nassau County, Suffolk County, you know, New Jersey, Staten Island, coming into East New York, Brooklyn, and spending their money there. That's the money that I was taking. I wasn't taking somebody that was selling cigarettes and uh, liquor were, and food. You were still busting kneecaps and heads, though, I, you know, the axe handle. So that's a violation of rights, even if he is a dirtbag. But let me say this. This movie, The 7-5, again, you can see it on YouTube. This, this is, to me, uh, not that to diminish your uh, life and crass commercialism, but it should be a Netflix series. It should be a movie. Is, is there anything in the works here? Well, it, you know, as far as I know, the, the, the rights to the, the seven five story has been uh, bought, you know, by numerous um, film companies. Uh, the latest, I think, is Paramount. Um, Sony had it for a long time. And now I think Paramount has it. And, you know, this talk every couple of years, you know, uh, that they want to make a feature. They should. I get it. I, I lived in L.A. too, you know, and uh, yeah, there's that. But you it know, is there's also talk that you want to do, uh, you know, reality show uh, on HBO. No, don't cheapen um, it. No, 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 well, no, no. I'm just, no. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying what's in the works. You I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you free advice. No. Look, 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 dude. Like, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's it's all out there. Um, I've been approached, and you know, they want me to sign contracts and stuff. And uh, you know, I'm not signing contracts, you know, for anything, um, unless I see what I'm signing for. Um, I don't want to be, you know, held down to a contract, you know, for three years where I can't talk about the seven five because exactly. they own me now. That's so, nobody. So, everybody uh, wanted to buy rights to my book. I wouldn't give it to them. You know. So right. what so what so, do you look forward to when you wake up every day now Walter? I mean what 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 gives you hope every day? Well, I've done a lot of good things for me and my family. Um I'm divorced now. My son is is 25. Uh no, 24, he just turned 24. And um you know, he's out on his own. Um I was able to give him one of my houses that I own um, uh, with free and clear. It's already, it's all paid for. And as long as he took it over and he wanted to redo it, um, I'm happy with him. He's works full time, makes awesome money. Um, I see him two, three nights when we go to the gym to work out uh, two, three nights a week. Uh, you know, I live in, in, uh, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I'm surrounded by the forest. Um, I have friends, good friends, and then there's Scoop, but I have good friends. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, things, I have things to look forward to. Uh, I'm retired. Um, I'm collecting, you know, my, uh, my deserved Social Security and my deserved 401k, and uh, I made some good investments over the years. So, uh, you know, I'm not doing too shabby. You know, people will say, well, you must have had 
couple hundred grand of drug money left over when he got out of jail. I was just thinking well, that. Yeah, a lot of people think that, but you know, a hundred grand don't go far. It's true. Hundred grand doesn't go far. You buy that's a car. What, that's what know, they say. Buy about a house. White, and white boy Rick. We had white boy Rick on the show, and people think like thirty-three years ago, somebody stashed five hundred thousand dollars in a wall. I'm like, that wouldn't buy the Maserati the guy's got now. So. You know, anyway, well, um, we like to keep it tight. We like to keep it to an hour. Would you come back, man? Sure, I'll come back. Okay. I'm probably going to. Sure, I'll come back. I'm going to call your show this Saturday. I'm going to get a <laughs> couple of pops in me. And I'm like, this I guy. <laughs> I tell, tell people where they can hear your radio show, man. Uh, the radio show is called 7-5 Radio. Um, you can get it on the Liberty News Network or 75radio.org. Um, go ahead and Google it, pull it up. We have an archives that go back five plus years. Wow. Uh, Scoop and I have been doing this show since April of 2018. So it's over five years. Um, we're a conservative-based show. Uh, we talk about the current news uh, and events. Uh, when Robert De Niro many years ago, a few years ago said, fuck Trump. I got on the air and I said, fuck De Niro. Uh, good actor, but he should keep his mouth shut. Um, you know, uh, all those all those actors, O'Donnell and Cher and all them that said they were going to Canada, if Donald Trump got elected, well, I call them, I still call them out. Uh, See, on this show, we yet. say, fuck all y'all. That's what we say. <laughs> No fear, no favor. No. Yeah, well, I, I, you see, I, you see, you're, you know, you're a Yankee like me. I don't use those southern terms. <laughs> well, you know, I'm from Detroit, so we all came from the South, dude. So there's still a root here. Oh well. But anyway, I want to. Uh, I, uh, I want to go out I like say. this. Thank you, uh, uh, Walter Q for coming on, brother. Uh, really interesting to talk to you. And when you're talking about this country and and its meaning, it's uh, you know who you're leaving behind, who you're raising. And it is the 4th of July. And I want to replay this clip of my friend's son. And his son is my friend. And this was when I, uh, my last book came out. I was giving a reading at the Detroit uh, Library. Nobody mm -hmm. does readings there anymore. And we were going through the take a knee argument and what you know the Star Spangled Banner meant. And, and I said, you can do whatever you want to do with this. And the young man came up, just straight up. I called him up, C.J. Anderjack, and I said, "Can you sing it?" And how old was he, Chris? Fourteen. Yeah, probably. It, it, it was memorable to me. So I hope he's gonna come. Now he's a rock and roller. The guy's a beautiful musician. <laughs> this, this is the young man that I know. And I'll say Happy Fourth of July to everybody. God bless America. Have a safe holiday, Karen. Thank you. You too. Red. Careful at the Normandy there drinking out there on, and you too, Mark. on the corner. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we held as the twilight's last gleaming <laughs> I mean, Stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight but the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets red glare the bombs bursting in air 
was still there Oh say can't this star-spangled banner yet reign For the land